Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What a special night we have to be able to gather together today. It truly is a trifecta of events, as Pastor Allen was mentioning. Of course, we are here tonight to celebrate and begin this time of Lent together in this monumental occasion of Ash Wednesday. What a special time that we have as a congregation as families, and as individuals to begin this journey with our Lord. Maybe a little bit lesser known, today is our state's birthday. Arizona turns 106 today, uh, the final state within the continental U.S. to be united into this union, and today we celebrate that as well. And finally, of course, as I see in Maybe some of the colors a few of you have chosen to wear this evening. It is Valentine's Day, another special day that we can celebrate. But I can uh, tell you, maybe that is exciting for many of us gathered here tonight. But when your wife asks you what you have planned for Valentine's Day, and your response is putting ashes on people's forehead, it doesn't go over so well. But you know what? It's more important uh, that we are gathered here tonight. Because the love that we have uh, for one another, for our children, uh, for our spouse, for friends, yes, that is, that is very important. That is a very scriptural item. However, the love that the Lord has for us is so much more important. It's monumental, isn't it? That's our, our theme. As Pastor Allen mentioned, it is all about love. And not just the love that we are able to share, but most importantly, the love that God has given to us. And so every week we will look at those different passion scriptures and we will ask that all-important question. What does this mean? What does this scripture passage mean for me here now today? Being able to sit and reflect in this time of Lent what God has done for me. There's a scripture passage within the Bible that is noted as being the great love chapter. Most of us have probably heard it here. Maybe you've gone to a wedding and heard it read before. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to briefly look at a small piece of that uh, tonight. From verses uh, 4 through 8, Paul writes for us, uh, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What a beautiful passage. Uh, As it flows off the pen of Paul, it comes off almost as a sonnet of sorts. It tells us what love is. It tells us what love is not. It's followed by what love always does. But what is Paul really sharing with us? Again, this is a time of reflection, a time of meditation. What are we to do with this passage if we reflect upon it, if we meditate upon it, if we take a moment just to ponder not only, again, what our love looks like, but most importantly, what God's love looks like. For us to begin with, how do you fit within that context that Paul describes, that this is what love 
is called to be. How do you do with those things? Are you patient or sometimes easily angered? Are you kind with others or at times do you dishonor them? Do we happen to trust or sometimes do we have the habit of keeping records of wrongs? Are we hopeful or are we proud? You know, it's easy for us to go out and purchase, even tonight, a pre-written Valentine's Day card. It's an easy and an affordable way to tell somebody we love them. But following through on that love is, is much more difficult. It's a much harder thing for us to be able to do because following through it is tough. It's costly for us at times. And this is true not only when it comes for us loving others, but it's the truth when we hear this passion text of Jesus loving us, of the cost he paid, of what the price truly was for us to have this moment together tonight. True love has always been a struggle for mankind. Uh, We can ask the first couple whoever placed and created upon this planet, and they would tell you that same thing. Think about the separation that was created between Adam and Eve, uh, the chasm that was born between them, not only between themselves, but also between their creator. As this heartbreak of sin enters into their lives, and then we hear those sanctions that God places down upon people, the struggles that mankind face, one which we even know tonight in this celebration of Ash Wednesday. We hear that in the words of God from Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Many churches will recite those words when they place the ashes upon Uh, their members. Remember, for you are dust, until dust you shall return. God had told Adam all those things. I will provide for you. I will take care of you. I will watch over you. I will love you. You can eat from anything in the garden, anything you want, except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve have been given everything that they need, yet this affair in their heart grows. This love that they once had and trusted in the Lord becomes something that is more self-seeking. They're tempted into something else. What more can I have? What more can I become? Is there something missing that God is not giving me? The story of that first couple is not just unique to them. It's a story that continues throughout history, not just with our first parents. It's continued throughout all of generations. In fact, we see that same self-seeking love in our passion text for tonight, do we not? Uh, In the story of Judas. Review with me for a moment again uh, from the book of Matthew chapter 26. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. We hear, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Think about that. Judas, one of the Lord's 12 disciples. One of the people 
who was able to see in person Jesus performing those wondrous signs and miracles that we hear about and that you and I speak about. One who was able to walk with our Savior side by side to be able to hear him, to be able to see him, to be able to to touch him, to experience his love, but one who becomes self-seeking in his own attitude of love. Do you hear that question that he poses to the chief priests? How interesting is it? What are you willing to give me? How often do we ask that question in our mind of, what love is or is not. What am I going to receive? What can I get out of this deal? This self-seeking element that Judas has, this love affair that continues in his heart until we see this disciple finally betray the Lord with all things, what? A kiss that is placed upon our Savior. I wish I could tell you that this fling of sin stops there, that it doesn't show up again, but we know that that's not the truth. Again, that it's passed down from generation to generation, from Adam into individuals like Abraham, from Abraham into certain people like David, from David into the story that we look at of Judas, and from Judas even to us, those of us that are here tonight, that we are a part of this monumental breakup within Scripture. It's one of the reasons, again, that we gather here tonight. In fact, in our Lutheran service book, it's clear in saying that this is a time of self-denial and of humble repentance, a time to honestly see how we have broken this bond of love with our Savior, and how we have gone back on this truth, how we have found opportunities to maybe even ourselves personally deliver Jesus over to that cross. Hearing those words is unpleasant. We can try to hide it, we can try to cover it up, but God's law calls us out that we too have had this affair with sin, that we too, because of our actions, our thoughts, our, our words, we have taken part in the death of Christ. In the book of Second Samuel, God sends the prophet uh, Nathan to speak with King David. He sends him there to call him out on a physical affair that he has had with uh, Bathsheba, and also to speak about uh, his actions in murdering uh, her husband Uriah. And when David hears about this, he ultimately repents of his sin. He's ashamed of the things that he's done, but he seeks forgiveness in his one true love. He writes some of these words down for us later on in a psalm. Hear those words tonight from Psalm 51, beginning at verse 9. David writes, Hide your face from my sins, as he sings out to God, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's how that Lutheran service book continues, that we are called to have these faithful hearts that dwell 
confidently on God's word and draw from it uh, both the promise of life and of hope that God has given to us. And in faith, we can trust that God can and he will and he does all of these things that he promises to us. When we go to him for forgiveness, our sin is blotted out. Our hearts are cleansed and our spirits are renewed. That's what happens when we have this interaction with God, this forgiveness that he offers. Maybe put a word picture in your mind uh, tonight. Have you ever worked on a project uh, in the yard that just made you uh, so dirty and so filthy? Maybe you were weeding. Maybe you were uh, trimming a bush. Maybe you were planting a hedge. Do you remember what it felt like to be covered in in dirt, to be covered in dust? Maybe there was a time uh, when you were doing some type of extraneous physical activity. Maybe you were working out. Maybe you were uh, performing a sport. No matter what you're doing, do you know what it felt like? Do you remember what it felt like being so sweaty that the dog wouldn't even come near you? You know what I'm talking about. But now, do you remember what it felt like in any of those scenarios when you went and you took that uh, hot shower? Do you remember what it felt like uh, when you put on clean clothes? Do you remember what it felt like to ultimately become clean again? Isn't this what God uh, does for us when we go to him with our sin? That's what we are told, that he showers down upon us these blessings. But as we follow God's example, or excuse me, David's example, but more importantly, God's call, that this is what we receive. The Lord's forgiveness is showered, is poured down upon us, that we receive his warmth, that we are cleansed again, that that filth of sin is washed away. Why? Because of that love that God has for us. This is how God shows his love to you and to me. In fact, that's exactly what the apostle John says over and over again and records for us in 1 John. Uh, look at chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. John writes, This is how, the, how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Lent is not a time uh, for us to be depressed. Lent is not a time for us to wallow within our sin. Lent is a time for us to be embraced by God, to reflect upon the love that he has shown to us. And in this epistle, John shares what true love is, a message that is gifted to us, not in the form of flowers or in the form of candy or the form of cards, but in the person and work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, love's creation was not developed in you and I or in the heart of any man or any woman on this earth. Uh, It was presented simply in the grace that God has given to you and I. The love of men will always be flawed, But as we heard in that opening text from Paul, God's love never fails. That is why John points this out to us tonight. He says, this is love. 
right here. Look, don't miss it. We are saved not because we loved God, but because God loves us. Do you feel the freedom in that? That when we place this total reliance upon God, we know that when we are weak, he remains strong. When we are fractured, God remains firm. When we are broken, God remains complete. And even though we have sinned, God still comes to save. So receive that message of love tonight. Not from myself, a flawed pastor, but from one who on this day of love has chosen you. Each and every one of you that hear these words tonight. Each and every one of us that sit here to be able to reflect upon this message of love from God. Hear his words. From Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a valentine that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, the journey begins now. And it's a time in which we do have that opportunity to uh, reflect and meditate upon your word to weekly and daily hear of and see the passion that you have for us, your children. And so, Lord, continue to call us unto you to work within our hearts this message of forgiveness, that we will call out for repentance, knowing that when we see our sin, it opens our eyes to being able to see our Savior. Do that in us through your Spirit. Bless our church. uh, Bless our school. Bless this ministry here as we move forward, not just for ourselves in any way, but for you, Lord, for the mission that you have given to us of leading people to follow Jesus, of growing the kingdom as you see fit. All these things we lift in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. This evening we have heard the word of the Lord and now have the opportunity to respond through our tithes and offerings. We invite the ushers forward.